Welcome back to another podcast episode uh, with Lighthouse Podcast, and we're talking about holiness this week from Mark E. Moore's Core 52. And so I'm not going to have music today, so I just wanted to go ahead and get straight into reading his chapter 5, which is about holiness. And so let's get into it. Okay, he begins with the uh, verse in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45. I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. His question before his chapter is, how can I live up to God's moral standards? So he begins, there's hardly a word in the English language that elicits more religious images than holiness. That's appropriate since the word holy is used in the Bible for all kinds of religious objects. The temple, priests, sacred vestments, anointing oil, sanctuary utensils, animal sacrifices, etc. Virtually everything a priest touched in order to carry out his religious duties was labeled as holy somewhere in the Bible. Even so, equating holiness with religious purity is a bit misleading. As it, at its root, the word holy doesn't primarily designate sacred as much as selected. This is an important distinction that ultimately will affect how you view yourself. Okay, subtitle, The Proclamation of Holiness. What makes an object or person holy? Holiness happens when God takes ordinary objects and claims them for his purpose. For example, an ordinary plot of ground can become sacred if God shows up there. An ordinary animal set aside for sacrifice suddenly becomes consecrated. A person elected by God becomes a priest or a prophet. These become sacred not because their nature becomes different, but because their purpose becomes different. In one moment, they were ordinary, openly accessed by anyone. In the next moment, God claims them for his own purposes. They're still the same stuff, and none of their physical properties have magically transformed. Holiness happens when God proclaims, not when a person performs. Our holiness is God's gift to us, not our gift to him. Holiness is received, not achieved. This simple truth will transform how we view our position with God. Is holiness something you practice? It is, a is it a description of your actions? Well, of course it is. However, our practice of holiness is a result of God's proclamation of holiness, not the other way around. It's only when God's declaration of our holiness, our set-apartness, sinks into our souls that our actions are transformed to align with his character and nature. The idea that holiness is received, not achieved, shouldn't come as a shock. Every one of us does the same thing with ordinary objects. Take a toothbrush, for example. It's an ordinary object that dozens of, has dozens of potential uses, yet once you put it in your mouth, you've... Pr pr you're protective or of anyone else using it for anything else. Take an ordinary bolt or of white linen fab fabric. Fashion it into a garment, drape it on a bride, and it becomes unthinkable to wear in a morning jog. Why? Because when ordinary objects are sanctified for special service, they become out of bounds. Uh, or to use biblical terminology, terminology holy. Just to ensure we're on the same page before we're moving on, let me restate this as clearly as I can, he says. You are holy not because of your performance, but because of your proclamation. 
You don't become holy through religious rites. You don't develop holiness through sheer discipline. You become holy. Uh, the millisecond God places his hand on you and says, mine. With that in mind, let's look at our key verse. Uh, in Leviticus 11.45, God said, I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Notice that the declaration was based on God's selection, not Israel's action. Of all the nations of the earth, God placed his hand on Israel and said, Mine. From that moment on, Israel was set apart for his service, chosen as his people. That declaration made them holy. As Exodus 19, 6 says, You shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation to me. When they were, were they holy in behavior? Not so much. Israel did indeed have thousands of priests, but it, the common Israelite wasn't involved in sacred service. Why? Because they expected someone special to stand between them and God as mediator. Surely the average person can't just waltz up to God and pray. Surely the commoner can't offer a sacrifice. If holiness is based on our own actions, then we're then they were correct. If, however, holiness comes from God's election, then they were sadly mistaken. God always intended for all his followers to have personal access and a sacred purpose. In the New Testament, after Jesus' death and, a, and resurrection, one of his key leaders, Peter, repeated the decree from Exodus, only this time he applied it to the church. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. What does this mean? Has God replaced Israel with the church? No, emphatically no. The church hasn't replaced Israel. She has fulfilled Israel's ultimate destiny. We who, called, we who called Jesus Lord have been grafted into Israel and thereby adopted into Abraham's lineage. Our God-given access in prayer through the blood of Jesus is merely an acceptance and fulfillment of the original intention to God to grant sacred station to every Israelite who follows him. This is the ultimate destiny of the church as portrayed in Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over the second, the death has no power. Over the second death, over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay, the next subchapter, sub, sub portion, uh, the practice of holiness. Holiness happens when God shows up. It's First, his presence, and then his proclamation that make us holy. Afterward, our actions align with God's declaration. Our lives represent the nature of God, the God who set us apart. When we get that backward, we attempt to earn God's grace rather than allowing his grace to transform us. Conversely, when the practice of holiness results in gratitude and when awe is, is our natural response to God choosing us, then our holiness becomes obedience marked by humility. This is the heartbeat of 2 Timothy 1.9, where Paul said that God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This kind of holiness is attractive, even enviable to a watching world. So what does this kind of holiness look like? Have you ever watched a young man fall in love? Video games give way to romantic walks. Microwave meals are replaced with candlelit dinners. You get the picture. You don't have to guilt trip or strong arm a lover. 
He alters his behavior out of affection. Jake was one of those. He was naturally uh, a likable kid. Something in his personality made him a blast to be around. Unfortunately, his father wasn't around. That didn't make him bitter, just unwise. So throughout high school, he always opted for the shortest route to immediate pleasure. Because he was the life of the party, he preferred the party life. As one might expect, sports, girls, and drugs all came easy, which doesn't make life easy. Jake spent most of his high school days in a low-grade buzz that became a raging wave on the weekends. His story is not uncommon. His meeting with Jesus was common. Nothing in the details is dramatic. After graduation, his former high school soccer coach invited him to church. He heard simple message of the gospel with a clear head. Jake decided to follow Jesus. He was immediately marked and eternally sanctified. As his circle of friends changed, so did Jake's pleasures and pastimes. Again, this isn't one of those crazy grace stories with a miraculous intervention. It's simply the normal process of meeting someone who wins your heart. For Jake, his choice to give up partying, drugs, and drinking was not a hard-fought struggle. It was like pushing aside a salad. When the state comes to the table, put this away, or Paul put it this way, rather. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Sometimes holiness is a challenge. Uh, sex tonight or a strong marriage later? Speak my mind now or build a relationship later? Steal now or keep my dignity later? These aren't hard decisions. The difficulty is in the delay, the nagging later. When we wrestle with holiness, it's not because we really believe what the world has to offer is better. It's, it's because we don't believe that either the presence or the proclamation of God is reality. This bears repeating We make each decision to abandon the practice of holiness because we don't believe that God is present now or because we don't believe he'll show up later. This is why Paul urged holiness in the light of God's promises. We, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. In the light and heat of our current culture, the call to holiness seems somewhat prudish and restrictive. From the eternal perspective, however, in light of God's own holiness, any sacrifice we make of temporal satisfaction is trivial. True, we sacrifice now in order to receive a future reward. Yet, more importantly, in this present life, God's ways are better ways. Number one, leading to the greatest happiness a person can experience on earth. And two, God's election of us deserves our best representation of him. And so he finishes with three key points. Number one, holiness is in your election and not in your action. Uh, Number two, Israel was called to be a kingdom of priests. The church fulfilled that vocation when Israel failed. Number three, righteous behavior is the appropriate and natural response for the one who is called to a noble life to Let me read that again. Number three, righteous behavior is the appropriate and natural response for one who is called to a noble life given to God's purpose. Okay, so that's it for holiness. Um, I have a lot of work to do to uh, go through this again and understand the angles and so forth that he's uh, coming with. I hear 
some good things again. And I uh, hear some things that just don't make sense to me. So uh, we will have reflections after this episode. So again, thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you can email gcoc.news at gmail.com and we'll be glad to integrate those into an episode. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day that the Lord has made.